Jesus had arisen in the Garden of Gethsemane, he rose out of depression, rose out of disappointment, rose out of disillusionment, and faced the giant in the strength of God. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Depression is one of those giants that can literally paralyze your life. But did you know that Jesus was anointed to take it away? Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing the series, Disarming Your Giants, where we're dealing with the very real battle many experience with the giant of depression. You know, I've personally known people who could not get out of bed days on end due to their struggle with the giant of depression. Yet it might surprise many of our listeners that one of the purposes Jesus was anointed for is to give beauty for ashes and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I know this battle can be overwhelming, and I'm not going to in any way marginalize or belittle the very real battle good Christian people experience with this awful giant. I want instead to bring some hope that help is available through Jesus Christ. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of the message, Disarming the Giant of Depression. There's one last thing that will bring depression, and that's spiritual warfare, and that is when the enemy tries to put it on you. Now, I'm going to suggest something to you today. The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, a pneuma, a real spirit of fear. So it's a spirit. Fear can be a spirit. And I believe also depression can be. Say, where do you get that? I get it from the Bible. Isaiah 61. Did it not say of Jesus, he would give us the oil of joy for mourning and garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness? So sometimes we're in a warfare, and the enemy wants us depressed because guess what? Depressed people don't win anybody to Jesus. See, if that's what God did to you, I don't want it. Do you know what the greatest billboard is in the world? A smiling, happy, joyous Christian. That is, God's greatest billboard is your face when you're smiling and you have the joy of the Lord. That's a flashing neon billboard. You say, where'd you get all that joy? Why are you so happy? Well, it's the joy of the Lord, and it's my strength. Okay, so the enemy comes against us to take away our joy. He will do anything to turn a joyful Christian into a sour one. That's warfare. So now, in light of these things, how do you climb out of the blues in a biblical way? How do you use this book that the Bible says you will know this truth and it will make you free? You will know the truth and it will make you free. He sent his word and healed them, the Bible says. Well, the greatest model that I could find in the whole Bible is the Lord Jesus himself and the way that he came out of depression when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Isn't that amazing? 
Now listen carefully. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was engaged in the greatest spiritual warfare of his life. There's no question in my mind that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the warfare was more intense than it had been in the wilderness when he was tempted by the devil before he started his ministry. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's mere hours away from the very reason he came to the earth. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die on the cross. If he didn't die on the cross, we're not here today. We're not redeemed. We're still in our sins. We're lost and going to hell. We're separated from God forever. But because he went on to the cross, we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We are filled with his spirit. The owner or the mark of ownership is upon us, living within us, the Holy Spirit himself. We are not hell bound, but heaven bound. We have been delivered from death, hell, and the grave. The devil has been defanged. Jesus is coming back one day. And so the battle to keep him from that was intense. Gethsemane was the deciding moment for Jesus. Would he be obedient all the way to the cross? Or would he find a way to escape? Out of his own mouth, he told them, I could have called on 12 legions of angels and they would have come and whisked me out of there. But he didn't. But let me tell you something, church. The Bible is abundantly clear that in his struggle, Jesus was depressed. Saying, oh, the Lord wasn't depressed, Pastor Jeff. Oh, yes, he was. Listen to a few of the different Bible translations describing the Lord's state of mind in Gethsemane. Mark 14, 33, one translation says, he, Jesus, began to be deeply distressed and troubled. The Message Bible says, Jesus plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. The Phillips translation, which is a great translation, says Jesus began to be horror-stricken and desperately depressed. That's Jesus. You say, it didn't a sin to be depressed? No. He didn't stay there. He was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. It's not a sin to struggle against depression. But did he experience that gloom, that heaviness, that depression in the Garden of Gethsemane? Absolutely. Now, the author and finisher of our faith, I'm glad to tell you, did not stay there. He did not remain there. He is our model. He is our hero. He is our example on how to come out of depression into joy. So, what did he do? Let's look at what Jesus did. How did he model for us coming out of depression? The first thing I noticed, he did not isolate himself. Now, one of the marks of depression is you isolate. When you get depressed, you go in some room, you turn off all the lights, you shut the door, you make it clear to everybody around you, don't come in here. You either sit in a chair or you lay down in the bed, and there you are for hours on end, and you don't come out because you are depressed. And one of the real dangers about that is when you isolate, you're open to all kinds of thoughts that can lead to worse things. So I want you to notice what Jesus, our model, did. Then Jesus, it says in Matthew 26, 36, Jesus went with his disciples, with his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. Now listen to this. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and then he began to be sorrowful and troubled. The operative word there is he took. He intentionally took someone with him into his sorrow. What did he do? He refused to isolate. Our Savior was very wise. 
He didn't try to win the battle with depression all by himself. Now, we know that it was this intense, that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood as he considered what he was about to encounter. Blood came out of his pores. And I've read stories, medical stories, where this has happened rarely, but has happened in history, and it happened with Jesus. He was under such a heavy weight, such a heavy burden, that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. And he said, I know what's about to happen to me. I'm God. He was never surprised by anything. And since I know what I'm about to experience, I'm taking someone with me. I'm not going to isolate. And sometimes when you know somebody depressed and they're shutting everybody out, sometimes you just need to open the door and say, like it or not, I'm coming in here. You might as well just turn on the light and say hello to me because I'm your friend and I love you enough to sit here with you. And we're going to walk through this together. And that's what the body of Christ is all about. Amen. Amen. He let others in, Peter, James, and John, on the sorrow and grief he was experiencing that night, he let friends in. Now, too often, we Christians, we imprison ourselves in isolation because here's what we say. If I say I'm depressed, then I'm going to be accused of not having any faith. They're going to say, you don't have any faith. Well, brother, you just need to praise the Lord, or you just need uh, this, that, or the other. Get out of it. Come on, snap out of it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And It's not going to help, so I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't want anybody thinking less of me. But do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, share each other's burdens. King James says, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you're obeying the law of Christ. It is a law of our Savior to invite others into our burdens and pain. It's the law of Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Peter, James, and John, come on, come with me to the garden. So he didn't isolate. I like this next thing. I noticed this. He didn't fake his feelings. He wasn't phony baloney. He wasn't fraudulent when he talked about the way he felt. When you ask Jesus as he was headed in the garden of Gethsemane, hey, how are you, Lord? He didn't say... Well, I'm prosperous, blessed, and highly favored. Now, there's nothing wrong with that statement. There's nothing wrong with a good statement of faith. But you know what? Sometimes we need to be real. And people say that to me, and sometimes I want to say, that's just great, good, you're prosperous, and you're highly favored. Now, how do you really feel? Well, that left a holy hush on the congregation. But let me tell you, Jesus told the truth about his feelings. Listen to this. How many people would say this? He told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Wow. I'm about to die from this sorrow. I'm under so much sorrow, it's about to kill me. That sound like a statement of faith to you? No, it was honesty. Honesty with those who knew him. And then he said, you better stay here and keep watch with me because this is heavy this is strong. I'm really under it. And folks, listen, let me just pull the veil away for a moment. Sometimes we in the church are exactly in this place. We know exactly what this feels like. I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point I feel like I'm going to die. Who can I go to? Who can I tell? I better not tell church folks because they won't think I have any faith. No, you ought to tell church folks because then they can pray for you. Then they can help you. Jesus told the truth about his feelings. 
Now, if anybody could have said, well, I'm the son of God, and I'm never going to tell my disciples that I'm under this kind of a load. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus told them the truth. And I want you to notice something. He used wisdom about who he shared the deepest stuff with. He first told the 12. He told all 12 of them, you know, I'm under a real burden here, guys. But he took Peter, James, and John off aside. And he was wise who he cast his pearls in front of. And he said to Peter, James, and John, I'm closest to you guys. Jesus had his 70. He had his 12. He had his three. Peter, James, and John are the ones he took to the top of Mount Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were his closest inner three. It was to them he said, listen, this is about to kill me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to stand with me. I need you to kneel with me. I need you to stay right here with me. Don't leave me. I need you. Can you believe the son of the living God was that transparent? So if he got there, we can sure get there, can't we? Now, the third thing I see is he was not only honest with those around him, but he was honest with God. It says in Matthew 26, 39, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Listen to this prayer. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, what struck me this week as I read this afresh and anew was the brutal honesty he was exercising with God. He said, why was that so brutally honest, Pastor Jeff? Here's what he was saying. He knew he was born to die. He knew he came to die on the cross. But he was literally telling God, if there's any way out of this, show me and I'll take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If there's any way out of this, show me and I'll take it. That's honesty. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm here for this reason, but wow, I don't want to do this because I know the suffering and I know for a brief moment I'm going to be separated from you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my groaning? So he was honest with God, honest with others, and he refused to isolate. Now that's the first three things that Jesus did, but I saw that there's more. I also noticed that he didn't get trapped by bitterness or fall into the blame game. Now, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, where would he have gotten bitter or fallen into some kind of a blame game? Because it says when he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping, sleeping, his men, his inner three, sleeping, he said, could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me feed the multitude. You've seen me cleanse lepers, open blind eyes and deaf ears. You can't sit with me for one hour in my darkest midnight hour. Can you hear the pathos in that? Can you hear the hurt, the disappointment? I do. But guess what he didn't do? Even though his closest friends failed him, not only did he keep on going in his journey to come out of the depression and come out of Gethsemane and go to the cross, but he prayed for the very disciples who had failed him. Now, let me tell you what you can't do. You can't stay bitter at somebody if you're praying for them. And that's hard to do. You want to pray against them. You want God to vaporize them. <laughs> but to pray for their well-being... 
is something only the Spirit of God can enable you to do, but Jesus did it. And once again, he's our model. Here, his closest inner three had failed him. His best friends on earth failed him. But the Bible says in John 17, the longest recorded prayer in the Bible is John 17, is Jesus praying, and the vast majority of it is he's praying for his disciples. And guess when the prayer was made? In the depths of his depression is when he prayed this prayer, when he was depressed. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The last thing I feel like doing when I'm depressed is pray. I just want to sit there. Leave me alone. I don't want to pray. Just leave me be. But our model, Jesus Christ, said, even though I'm experiencing this gloom, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for those who have failed me. And I'm not going to point the finger or get bitter or play the blame game. I'm not going to blame others for where I am. I'm not going to blame others for what has happened to me. Where I am is where I am, and I trust God, and I'm going to Him. But I'm not going to blame another human being, because as long as we blame others, we never come out. So he prayed. And then I see something else. Not only did he pray, but he prayed through until strength came from God. Matthew 26, verse 42 and 44. Watch Jesus and how he refused to quit praying. It says he went away a second time. Now, that means he went to the disciples, found them asleep, said to them what he said while they were still sleeping. Then he went back into the place of prayer. So he did not let his disillusionment with others stop him from seeking God. Did anybody hear that just now? See, I see people blame others for leaving church and getting away from God. They say, I'm not going to seek the Lord anymore. I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. But not Jesus. His inner three let him down. But he said, I'm going back to the place of prayer. I'm going to go pray again. And he said, a second time, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. But then he went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Now, let me ask you a question today. If Jesus had to pray three separate times in persevering prayer and intercessory prayer to get the answer he needed, where does that leave us? I heard somebody say, if you pray for something more than once, then you don't have faith. Then Jesus had no faith because Jesus prayed three times. He went back and he went back and he went back. His men asleep, he went back. His men asleep on the second time, he went back. Three times when the world was failing him, his friends were failing him, he went back into the place of prayer and he prayed through. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, how do I know when I've prayed through? When you're through. You know you prayed through when you're through. And how do you know you're through? When the answer has broken through. The Bible says, suddenly, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Oh, listen, church. Jesus could have gone down in depression. He could have said, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to do it. I'm checking out. I'm calling on those angels to come get me out of here. I'm not going to do it. No. Jesus, in spite of disappointments, disillusionments, hindrances among his friends, Jesus stayed with it. The depression sitting on him, the blood coming out of his pores, he kept praying until the angel of God broke through and strengthened him. Just like the angel strengthened Elijah under the juniper tree, and he ran many, many, many miles in the strength of that angel's touch. Sometimes you and I just have to pray through. 
We don't understand why the answer doesn't come the first time or the second time or even the third time. But sometimes we just have to pray through until something happens, knowing that God is listening every time. And I don't know why the answer doesn't come immediately, but that's okay because Jesus didn't get an immediate answer either. He kept praying until the angel broke through. And if we keep on praying, God will direct us. God will show us. God will strengthen us. God will answer us. God will stand us up. God will rebuke the spirit of gloom off of us. Because we do not pray in vain. And I like this last thing that I see in this story of Jesus overcoming depression. Jesus got up and faced his trials in the strength of God. He faced the giant. Matthew 26, 45, then he returned to the disciples. That was after three times and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? That's okay. I've already forgiven you and prayed for you. I threw that in there. He says, then, look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now, I want you to say the next word with me that Jesus said, rise. Can we say it again? Rise. When you start rising, that means you are getting out of depression. Say it again. Rise. Jesus had arisen in the Garden of Gethsemane. He rose out of depression, rose out of disappointment, rose out of disillusionment, and faced the giant in the strength of God. So he said to them, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. And right then, here comes Judas with the crowd. Judas walks up to him, who had walked with him over three years, hugged him, kissed him. And then the soldier said, we're looking for the one who calls himself the son of God. And Jesus said, I am he. And they all fell flat on their faces. I want you to notice something. Those soldiers were totally put down by the power of God. They were knocked to the ground by him simply saying, I am he. And if Jesus ever had a chance to run, that would have been it. Because the soldiers were disarmed by the power of God. But he did not do it. He didn't run from his problem. He didn't head for the hills and try to hide. He faced Judas. He faced the soldiers. He faced the cross. And it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Thank God Jesus went all the way to the cross for us. Well, I hope that helped you in your own battle with depression or that it gave you some tools to help a loved one in their own struggle. And let me encourage you to take advantage of the helpful resources we offer to better aid you in fighting the good fight. Just go to our website at lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And spend some time looking through our archive of free downloadable podcasts and other helpful tools. We would love to have you visit. And be sure to join me next time as we begin a brand new, exciting series I'm calling Family Matters, with a look at God's original plan for the home and for marriage. Until then, may God bless you richly, is my prayer. Hi. 
Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, at Life Talk, we want to stay connected with you and help equip and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you'd like to receive e-devotionals and ministry updates from me, go online to lifetalkradio.us and sign up to receive this exclusive Life Talk listener email. When you sign up for the first time, we'll send you a free resource as a thank you for being a devoted Life Talk listener. So go to lifetalkradio.us and sign up for a free e-devotional today. Disarming the Giant of Depression is final message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.